Hello and welcome to Apartment 29A. I'm Shosh. And I'm Megan. And we're two best friends who have a lot to say. This week, we are drinking mango and bergamot tea by Wittard. While we talk about the podcast, the weirdest thing I learned this week. The book, Cursed Crowns by Catherine Doyle and Catherine Weber. And then we're going to end with things we can't stop thinking about this week, which for Shosh has been a car seat. And for Megan has been what true stillness does to our sight and how that relates to loss. So Shosh, what do you think of the mango and bergamot number seven wittered tea? I'm enjoying it. The bag... I expected to smell really strong bergamot, but really I mostly smelled mango. And then you brewed it and it's the same. It kind of just smells mango-y, which, I mean, it's nice. It's not, it's definitely not a downside. I was just a little surprised. And I guess it's silly, but I didn't realize this was a green tea. I thought it was going to be a black tea with mango. And I think that's because of the bergamot, because I know there's bergamot in Earl Grey. So in my mind, it was sort of like, I mean, I knew it wasn't a mango, Earl Grey, Earl but Grey. an Earl Grey with, <laughs> right, with mango. So I was really surprised that it was a green tea, but I think it's really nice. The one thing that's a little weird is for some reason, it gives me a little bit of um, sort of bubblegum vibes and I don't really know why. It's not bad and I'm not sure where I'm getting that from, but for some reason it's reminding me of bubblegum, but it's enjoyable. I, I like it. What do you think? Yeah, the same. I had the same experience in terms of I turned the bag around to see what temperature the water needed to be at. And it was like green tea. And I was like, green tea? Okay. Uh, but I think it make, it works really well with the mango. This is like, when I think of mango tea, this is what I want. Like the mango part of it is what I want the tea to taste like. And in previous teas, that hasn't been the case. So definitely a win there. Yeah, sometimes the fruit part lets you down in the teas because it's either fake or not strong enough. Mm-hmm. And this one's a good flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the bergamot. I don't know if it's the bergamot that's leading to. Like there's like an, I don't know if you can call it an aftertaste because that's not quite the right word. But there is like, you know, one of the flavors when you're drinking the tea that is reminiscent of when got like the the gum flavor but again they wouldn't be gums initial flavor it's like that flavor that occurs when you've been chewing on the gum for a while i don't know like i said it's weird but it's giving me bubble gum vibes (laughs) yeah or like the what was the striped one when we were a kid oh with the zebra yes that's the gum it's reminding me of I don't remember what that was called, though, but I know what you're talking about. Right? Someone will remember. You can, you know, let us know. But yeah, I would drink this tea again, for sure. Which is high praise from Megan, because it's green tea. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want to tell us how you found this podcast? Sure. Let's see. I was listening. Oh, I think it was a commercial. So the podcast this week is called The Weirdest Thing I Learned This Week. And I'm 90% positive it was a commercial that I got listening to Vichy's, um, Velshi's, whose who's book club is it? Velshi's Band Books Club. There it is. I was listening I to Velshi's Band Book Club. Yep. And I got a commercial for The Weirdest Thing I Learned This Week. And I was like, 
we like science. So I checked it out and said to show, she was like, let's listen to this one. So we listened to the most recent episode, which is, uh, let's see. Oh, they're not numbering them. So it says our swollest ancestor, climate fungi apocalypse and terrifying bananas. This is a podcast produced by Popular Science. So it's usually things that the writers of Popular Science aren't able to include in the writings for the magazine. And so, because they just don't have a space for it, but so they talk about it on the podcast as here are the weird things that we read about that couldn't make it into our publication. <laughs> and it was interesting. What did you think of it, Shosh? All of the information was interesting, some more than others, but because they kind of had three different topics, but all of it was interesting. But for some reason, I kind of wasn't really into it. I don't know if it was just my mood while I was listening to it, but it didn't really grip me. Like I said, all of the stuff they were talking about was interesting. It wasn't that. It's just, I don't know if it was the hosts. I don't know if it was my mood. I'm not really sure. But like I said, it just didn't really, it didn't really like pull me in the way that, you know, normally I get really into a podcast and like really want to keep listening. And I, I don't know, I kept kind of like zoning out and having to go backwards. And like, I think I listened to this like three times to get through it all the way. And oh my gosh. I don't, I don't know. It just wasn't really something about it wasn't really working for me. But like I said, the information was really interesting. I mean, hmm. the, the fungus discussion from the fires <laughs> was kind of terrifying just because thinking <laughs> about all the stuff that is in smoke when like all these forest fires happen and everything so i mean that wasn't you know the most fun in that respect because mm -hmm. you know fungus and other nasties is not ideal stuff to be breathing in but the last part where they were talking about the like mice and how a pregnant mouse affects like mm -hmm. boy mice and everything like that was really really interesting that's what I mean I don't know why I wasn't into it because the information was really cool mm -hmm. but for some reason I just had a hard time getting through it I don't know maybe it was just me what did you think yeah I mean I think you felt something I felt but like you had a stronger reaction to it because I felt like this was like a b podcast or a four star where it was really good. The interesting, the information was really good, but I don't know if I'll listen to it every week. And like you, I'm not sure if that's, it's just like, I'm now so used to 30 minute podcasts that an hour long podcast about three separate stories that are related only by the fact that they're weird. Just isn't enough of a relationship to carry me through a full episode. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you're on to something because I'm maybe they should have just been shorter episodes about one topic. Like even if they put them mm -hmm. out more frequently and then you could just pick and choose which one and also it would be like a short little bite and then maybe it wouldn't you know what I mean? I don't know, feel like so much to get through it. I mean, cuz I still listen to some podcasts that you know are an hour long. I mean, half hour cuz I listen to them on double speed or whatever, but you know, I still right. do some longer ones, but 
and I don't usually have any trouble with them. Usually I just listen and then they're done. And I'm like, oh, it's done. I could have like kept listening. But this mm-hmm. one, like, I don't know. Like I said, I kind of struggled to get through it. But maybe it's like you're saying, there's no real connection between the stories other than just here's some cool stuff we were looking at this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, I think that was the issue because I'm with you. Like, I'm no problem listening to Pod Save the World, Pod Save the um you know positive america any of those and they're always over an hour but there's like a through line of the of the week or of the episode that i just maybe they need to work on their transitions i don't know well again i mean i'm hesitant to criticize the hosts especially when i've only listened to them once and i don't have any like specific criticism or critiques of their hosting but i kind of wonder if it was maybe just the dynamics of them and i don't know maybe they didn't like pull us in or something i'm not sure yeah i'm not either but i was i mean the information was really interesting so when it comes to the fungus i didn't realize like, I knew that when funguses happen, like thrush and what's the other big one that happens in the hospitals, like, we just don't have a lot of ways to heal the human who ends up with that uh, infection. And so that's why it's so problematic. But I thought that was more about funding and, like, just a lack of resources than because the genetic composition of a fungus is so close to that of a human that we don't know how to create a drug that would just like fight off the fungus and wouldn't fight off the human and I was like what (laughs) yeah I didn't know that either I was like are you kidding me so yeah of course then like anything that gets into our system like no matter how whether it's burning it through a forest fire or it growing in our refrigerator or something well fungus is notoriously hard to get rid of as well right like at work if something gets fungus you're always like no because it's never like easy you know what i mean it's always going to be difficult well i guess if it is so closely related to us like we want that like that makes it harder to kill us as a on on that genetic level but man that's just a a wild thought i was just gonna say i haven't watched the show they were talking about where like the zombie fungus takes the people over although i have heard about zombie zombie fungus we've talked about it actually on a really old episode now i think about where it takes over the ants or whatever but at least Mm -hmm. they were saying that that should not be possible and i was like that's reassuring because there's a lot of terrifying stuff out there and you know human zombie fungus would be bad news bears yeah yeah, that's just what we need. Some sort of fungus infects the ants and the ants infects the humans and then we're just all zombies. <laughs> but I haven't watched Last of Us either. I have heard good things about it. Sounds terrifying. I don't I think that's something I'll be avoiding. Doesn't doesn't sound like something I want to watch. Yeah, and then the bananas being associated so the bananas go with the 
mice story and it's not actual bananas but the scent of bananas affects mainly boy mice in particular ways that could be messing up a lot of different um clinical trials that are being done on mice which i think is really interesting and a bit scary and then that was the part the part of the episode that highlighted that we still have a gender bias in even animal trials which i guess i hadn't really thought about um that we still try to do most of the clinical trials on male animals because we believe that the hormones having to do with the female animals would be too complicated an issue to be able to like hold for in the math yeah which is frustrating I didn't realize that either but then I kind of want to be like well serves you right because now look it's whatever this thing is that happens to also be in bananas can be isolated there so they're like you don't even need the females around to affect your male study your lab tech could be eating a banana and it could affect your lab study <laughs> so I'm like well I mean it's frustrating it's not that I actually want people's th things to be messed up but I'm like that's what you get for not even looking at females and their hormones and all those things right yeah a good reminder that the things that are quote unquote normal are oftentimes just about your case study <laughs> and so if all you did was study male rats then yes a female would seem abnormal but if you look at the like even the population on earth is 51 percent female and yet somehow we're the odd ones mm, no sorry mathematically we're normal right i don't know why don't realize that <laughs> no neither <laughs> and then the other the third story was about just a an ancestor who was really buff and it was a woman so that was cool but that was all i felt about it i was like okay yeah i i mean it was it wasn't that it wasn't interesting like i said all of the information was interesting but i didn't really care that much about that one i was just like all right that's cool it's neat that they're looking into it the only thing that i thought was actually the, the coolest part i thought of that story was how they were talking about using computer models to model the muscles and that's how they can mm -hmm. figure out the movement so they were talking about like that's how they know that t-rex like a t-rex would run really slowly and how this ancestor would walk upright but also could go into the trees and had like gigantic thigh muscles and stuff so i thought that kind of tidbit was pretty cool but in general i was sort of like you know this this doesn't appeal to me the, the way that the other <laughs> stuff does so right same and i was like well technically speaking we've bred ourselves out of that so it can't be as cool or as helpful as we think it might be <laughs> glad we listened of course it's always good to check out new podcasts but i definitely won't be adding this to my list of podcasts i think if you do really like different science stuff it probably would be worth giving an episode a listen and just seeing how you feel about it but i don't think this is you know like a favorite for me i'm with you all right do you want to tell us about cursed crowns 
Yes. So Cursed Crowns is the second book in the Twin Crowns series. This is a book series of books written by Catherine Doyle and Catherine Weber, who I think might be in-laws. I think that's what we looked up last time. We talked about their first book, Twin Crowns, in episode 86. But let me tell you about how Goodreads describes the second book, Cursed Crowns. Best-selling authors and real-life sisters-in-law, aha, I was right, Catherine Doyle and Catherine Weber join forces on a compelling YA fantasy bursting with high-stakes adventure, romance, and humor. Two queens, one throne, what could possibly go wrong? Twin queens Ren and Rose have claimed their crowns, but not everyone is happy about witches sitting on Ina's throne. Cool-headed Rose sets off on a royal tour to win over the doubters, but soon finds herself drawn to the sunless kingdom. Here, secrets are revealed about those closest to her, and Rose finds her loyalties divided. Meanwhile, rebellious Ren steals away to the icy north to rescue their beloved grandmother, Bonba. But what she accepts, but when she accepts King Alaric's deadly magical bargain in exchange for Bonba's freedom, the spell has unexpected and far-reaching consequences. As an ancient curse begins to arise from the darkness, the sisters must come together and unite the crown. Their lives and the future of Ina depend on it. Break the ice to free the curse. Kill one twin to save another. I enjoyed this book. I was really excited about it. I really, really, really liked the first one. Well, my memory is a little bit... I can't remember the specifics, I guess. It's been a while since we read it. But I remember really, really liking the first one. So I was really excited when this one came out. And so I was really looking forward to reading it. And I really enjoyed it. I'm not sure I think it's as good as the first one. But I I liked it. And there's definitely some threads there. I have a feeling this isn't the end of the series. Does it say if there's more books coming out? Yeah, I think it's always always supposed to be a trilogy. Okay, I was going to say, because I definitely think there's more coming. And I will look forward to that because this one, I wouldn't quite go as far to say it was like a, I wouldn't go so far as to say it was a filler book because I really enjoyed it and there was like a lot going on, but I definitely think it was just getting us sort of into the next book. So there's some things that I'm excited to sort of see how they play out because I, you know, everything wasn't really wrapped up. And so I'll be looking forward to that. But I still really like all these characters. I thought the story was good. It was really enjoyable. It was easy to read and get through. No real complaints about it. I don't know. What did you think? Nice. Yeah. I mean, I I have both a similar and a different perspective. So similarly, I really enjoyed the book. Uh, I gave the first book four stars. I gave this book four stars. Um, The characters are fun. I remember the story well enough that I don't feel like I need to like reread it because it's not that complicated. I agree. I just don't remember all the little details, but right, right, right. if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I actually felt this book did a good job of being a book two. It was like a lot of times and particularly in trilogies, there's like book one and then book two is really books two and three and that they just somehow like made into a bigger story. 
but I feel like this one did a good job of kind of wrapping up what happened in book two and still giving you information for book three, but it was like its own story. It was it had its own story arc. The characters moved along. So I, yeah, I was kind of impressed with that. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I said I wouldn't say it was like a filler book or anything. So yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. And I just looked it up and I actually gave both of them five stars. So which I did not remember that I did that <laughs> but but obviously when I finished them like I said I had enjoyed them so yeah I was nervous when reading it because as soon as I realized that everyone was going to be separated like as you can tell from reading the back which as you know Shosh and I don't do but you can tell it's going to be one sister is in one place and the second sister is in a different place and anytime like our you know main characters are separated I get a little nervous that I'm gonna get bored I think is the word <laughs> um and luckily that did not happen in this one so even though they were separated their storylines were in both interesting enough that I was always like happy to get back to the other one and I didn't feel boredom between though at different times I was more into the different sisters stories um so mainly I'm a bit always a bit more interested in Ren's story than Rose's story yeah I feel that as well I think I definitely I enjoyed both and I like how they interact with each other and it kind of would go back and forth but definitely I am more intrigued with Ren's story I think that's probably the same across both books but definitely across the second one mm -hmm. so and her yeah. the stuff that isn't quite tied up with her is the stuff that I'm like most interested to see what happens in the third book yeah yeah it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the third book definitely I'm not sure when that's coming out because this has been it's not like a brand new release but it's fairly recent so I think we'll probably have to wait a while it was published May 9th, and then the next book is coming out April 11th. So they're not even making us wait a year. It's not too bad. Not terrible. We're just impatient. Always yeah. impatient. Yeah. Yeah. Someone I know can understand that. Hmm. <laughs> what do you think, Ronan? Yeah, what do you think? Happy. Are you going to speak now? Yeah. He's like, I'm not me? Talk now. I don't have to admit to anything. Don't incriminate me. <sighs> yeah, don't incriminate me. <laughs> yeah, you're so silly. You're so silly. Do you want to tell us about your new car seat? Yeah, so as much as I continue to keep saying like everything is not going to be about Ronan, I cannot let go of this car seat thing and I just have to I just have to talk about it because I have been thinking about it, not just now, but like for, well, basically since he's been born. <laughs> so when you are going to have a baby, you obviously have to get a car seat before you have the baby because you have to have a car seat to take them home from the hospital. So we got our car seat in November and he was born in March. So we had it way in advance and we got a really good brand. It's 
We, so we got it as a bundle with our stroller. It's a really good stroller brand. The stroller company didn't actually make the car seat, but another very good brand made it for them, and it all comes together. Now, when we got it, we looked at the reviews, as you do, and there weren't tons because it was a new version of a, the car seat, but this car seat that it was updating... Yeah? You want to put your two cents in, too? The car seat that it was updating had really good reviews. And so we're like, okay, well, it's just an updated version of something that everyone's loved. Again, both really good companies. The few reviews that were out, you know, the reviews that were out, none of them said anything bad. So we were, like, pretty confident. So then, obviously, because we'd already purchased it, you don't keep looking at reviews. So from the first time we tried to use it, he hated it, and I did not love it. He was also really tiny at the beginning, though, so I kind of yeah. felt some of it was based on, like, his size. And then it kept being awful and not good, but I kept thinking, it's either user error, like we're doing something wrong because we're not using it that often because at the moment we don't own a car, so we were using it sporadically, so I was like, it's either user error because we haven't used it that much and we haven't in the past really had to use car seats and or he isn't used to it because we're not using it that frequently. So on, you know, the off chance that we do use it, it's like something new that he's not used to. But I mean, it was awful. He would ball and cry and just I would always feel like his chin was to his chest which is a really bad position when babies are little that they can suffocate that way and obviously it wasn't to that point because he was crying and things so clearly he was making sound which means he can breathe but I still was not happy with the position everything about it just was wrong and then he would be so upset we'd often have to like pull over and even like get him out for a little bit and put him back um, and you'd spend so much time trying to calm him down and then eventually he'd fall asleep but then he'd wake up and you'd have to like do the whole thing again so it was just awful and so coming up we have a drive to Scotland um, coming up because we're gonna go spend some time with our family up there so this whole time it's basically been awful but again I thought it was one of these two things and we have this drive coming up so I was just like I am not comfortable for a four-hour drive without trying to figure this out so we went to the only store that we could get to without having to actually drive to it because obviously I don't want to drive with him in the car seat that I'm already unhappy with especially because then we'd either have to pay to rent a car just to go figure it out so we had control over it which would be you know kind of a pain and expensive or we're putting him in a taxi but then we have less control over when we can stop and the driving and everything if he's uncomfortable and we're not liking what we're seeing or hearing from him Plus, it's distracting to the driver, so it's not really great for that either when he's going, you know, when he's going crazy. So, we went to the store, and a very nice lady helped us, who had actually helped us with some other stuff before. And we were like, look, we think we're just doing something wrong. Can you please just help us make sure that we're getting him in the car seat right? So, with our permission, she puts him in the car seat the way he's supposed to be in. And it's exactly the same thing that happens with us. It's nothing that we're doing wrong. He just goes ballistic. And I point to her out to her the things that I'm concerned about. And she was like, not only was, did she see what I was saying, but she was like, I'm pretty sure somebody just returned one of these for that very same thing. And I was like, seriously? 
And then she said something which we, I didn't know, but apparently also people were complaining because when you essentially remove, like move the in newborn part to make it bigger for them, it creates like a, it's not literally a hole, but it creates like a gap that they kind of like fall into. And so a lot of people are complaining about the positioning because of that as well. So I was like, I felt kind of bad because I didn't even ask Amir. I was just like, can you show us another car seat? I mean, not that he would have, not that he would have objected, but I just right. basically committed us to buying a new car seat. The moment that I knew we weren't doing something wrong, I was just like, I'm not even, I just can't with this car seat. So she recommends another car seat and she gets it and we put him inside of it. And he literally, like, he starts to cry, like, as he's going in, I think because he's like, oh no, I'm going into this, you know, like awful thing again. But literally he goes into it. I hand him a toy and he just sits there. He's just like, oh, this is cool. Fine. Yeah, whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh. So, and if you like look at how he sits in it, because I mean, she was saying maybe it's part of it is his body shape because he has like a pretty long torso. But the way he sits in it it is completely different. So I was literally like, we're just buying this car seat. I was like, I can't even with this other one. So then we went back and looked at the reviews for the car seat that we had which again is an expensive car seat from a good brand. And now there's lots of reviews out because obviously it's been out for a while. And so many of them are terrible and they're all complaining about the exact same things I was complaining about. And it doesn't actually affect his positioning in the car seat, but Amir has also been complaining about the sun visor on it because it doesn't push back all the way out of the way. So it's annoying when you're trying to like not use it because getting him in and out and stuff it's like in your way and it has these magnets that on the very bottom of it when it's all the way out can like a magnet ties to the side of the car seat to hold it in place but that essentially means they're weighted so even when you try to fold them up out of the way they just fall down all the time so the whole thing Mm -hmm. is super annoying and all of the complaints are complaining about the positioning which was what i was complaining about and the sun visor which is what he had been complaining about (laughs) and i was like so basically this is just an awful car seat and the worst part is is it's well out of the return window because obviously we bought it way before he was born and then we've used it so infrequently that it took us a little while to determine that you know, this actually is just a really bad car seat. So we can't return it. And normally I'd be like, okay, we'll just resell it because it's like a really expensive, nice car seat that's barely been used. But I don't feel right selling it because I don't want another baby to be in a bad position or to be uncomfortable. And some people still have good reviews, but you're like, okay, is that because your baby's body shape just happens to work with this car seat? Or because you don't know the difference, maybe your baby just isn't as vocal and you don't, you know, so you don't notice Mm -hmm. that there's a problem because the person who helped us actually said she had that car seat for a while with her daughter. And she was like, looking back now, I wonder if it was happening with my daughter and I just didn't realize it, you know, because her daughter maybe wasn't as vocal that, or she was like, maybe Mm -hmm. my daughter was like a different build, but, but I don't feel right. Like chancing that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want another baby to have, like, this awful car seat. So I don't even feel like we can sell it. I mean, and it's not that they're so expensive that, you know what I mean? It's, like, a massive thing. It's just, you spent all of this money and then it feels like a waste. So, Right. Well, and, like, it's a a bunch of plastic, essentially, and you'd like it to go to some use instead of... Right. You don't want to just throw it in the trash, but I don't really feel like it's usable. I don't know. Yeah. And I have such mixed feelings about it. I mean, 
mostly I'm really happy that we got this figured out. I'm really happy that we have a new car seat. And I feel kind of vindicated that I wasn't, you know, crazy. Because I literally thought that I was, you know what I mean? I was like, we're doing something wrong or he's just not used to it. You know, but I just didn't like it. <laughs> so I thought that I was just crazy and that it was probably fine. So I feel pretty good that I was right. But then I also feel bad because I'm like, we put him in this car seat how many times? Right. You know, when I was like awful for him, basically. So I feel pretty bad about that. But now we have a much better car seat. And so it just came yesterday. And Amir put Yay. him in it today just to see. He just sat there played with his toy he like was oh, fine good. so yeah it's, it's definitely bad. definitely an improvement there are other things about it that are better too the um button to release the tension in the straps in the other one oh, was awful you had to like dig around down inside at the right spot and try to like feel for it and it was like not easy to do and this one has a super obvious really easy to press button and I was like, man, I should have known from the start that this, this car seat <laughs> was bunk. Like, it shouldn't be that hard, you know? Right. So, this one's just getting better all the way around. Yeah. It You're looks like a space egg. A baby. Yeah. It looks like a space egg. Oh, my egg. God. Do you have yes. a Grogu car seat? <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, you do. So that's my my rant. Thanks for listening. Sorry that I just <laughs> keep talking about it, but I have been really worked up about this car seat for a long time. So I'm glad we finally have it resolved. Yeah. Yeah, it's much better now. We'll have to see how the car trip goes, but I think it's going to be better. I think so. We'll still make lots of like stops and get them out of it and stuff, but I, I'm hoping that, that we won't have you know, major meltdowns, especially when you first put them in it. Right, yeah. No, the stops can be for, like, health reasons and not for crying reasons. For, like, stretching and feeding, not for, like, you're making noises you've never made before and I'm concerned about your breathing. Exactly. Yeah, we'll be much better, right? Yeah, says the drool. Yeah. Yep, he punctuated that with a nice (laughs) string of drool. Maybe we we end with that, right? (laughs) Thank you for that. You want to tell us about your cool vision stuff? Yeah, so I listened to another episode of Inner Cosmos, which we talked about just a few weeks ago. And this episode was about the effects, like the strange visual effects that we have. Like, so if you stare at like a waterfall and you stare at the, just the water that's falling for like 90 seconds, um then when you look at the rocks next to the waterfall the rocks look like they're going up because your body has acclimated already like just that quickly to the idea that oh everything in the world must be falling down because that's all that's what you see like what you're staring at and that's so cool right uh and the same phenomenon works like so if you just stare at a yellow wall for instance and you don't let anything else be in your peripheral for again like 90 seconds or so you're you will stop seeing the yellowness of the wall like you may still see that there's a wall there but like the colors um a lot of it just your body acclimates and like oh okay everything's yellow now which in some ways helps explain why like when people get cataracts they don't notice it 
because it's been around so long that you just don't even, it just seems normal and your brain no longer recognizes that something is there. Um, so you could, he even said you could put like a dot on your contact and put your contact in your eye, which obviously you shouldn't do. But if you did, you would see the dot on your contacts for a short period of time, but eventually your brain would learn to look th essentially through it and you would no longer see the dot on your contact, which is wild. So there's a lot of reasons for this. The biggest one being we see through our rods and cones, but we don't notice or see the rods and cones. And you can like, you, some of us can see those rods and cones when we're at the optometrist and they're flashing the light in your eye, but that's the only time you see them. But that is because our brain knows that those are there and gets so attuned to them that it can then look past or through them. So you can see the world around you for those of us who are able to see, of course. And the theorist, the, the host of Inner Cosmos went on to talk about how he ex uses this to help also explain loss. So when we lose a loved one who is truly close to us, there are times where we can, it seems like we almost take the people closest to us for granted. And we do that because essentially they become so our body becomes so attuned to those people being around that we almost forget that they are there. But then when the loss occurs, we get really upset because it feels like we've actually lost a part of ourselves because they become so attuned to who we are. And like we essentially like group them in as a larger piece of ourselves, which I just think is A, truly kind of beautiful and like does a really good job of explaining why loss is sometimes so hard for us in ways that we feel unexpected like we're like well, I barely even thought about that person but I'm still really upset that grandpa's gone or the great aunts or whomever um, but so often it is because like we've just become so attuned to them being there yeah that's wild right so I just can't stop thinking about this and then just how our bodies have adapted so like if you look at someone's eyes and you're like literally staring at their eyes you will see these little tiny like micro movements and we they, they do that so that the world doesn't stop see, standing doesn't stand still because if it does stand still you literally would not see the world around you like you would just become so attuned to whatever you were looking at that it would literally disappear and like how wild is that i just can't that's unbelievable right and also how amazing are our bodies that they've figured that out and like adapted to that. And yeah, yeah, that's just incredible. Right. So I, yeah. And just how the adaptive qualities of all of that, that we don't think about, um, but just how, also how quickly, so there are, and this varies per person, but for some, like the person who's staring at the waterfall and it's falling and you stare for you know maybe you stare for five minutes for some people that see feeling like the world goes up can last up to three months no way i feel like you're yeah. making things up now that's no that's like unbelievable so, that's crazy but think about it like when you are on like a cruise or you've gone on like just even just a shorter boat ride and you stand on the shore and then it feels like the world is moving. But for some people that goes away really quickly. And for others, it like lingers a lot longer. 
so you can like that explains that like there's that difference but your body's just become attuned and assumes the world's gonna move like that and then when it stops your body keeps going that's still crazy right? it doesn't feel like it should work that way but <laughs> no it's crazy so yeah I just can't stop thinking about that this week can you imagine if you stared at a waterfall for like five minutes and then everything felt like it was moving up and you didn't know why and Ooh. left and everything was still just doing that that would be really that'd be scary it'd be disorienting yeah, yeah. well it do makes me wonder if there is like if somehow like for people who experience vertigo if something like that hasn't been triggered somehow and that's why they're like looking down and feeling that vertigo, even though the rest of us aren't. Yeah, that's super interesting. Maybe they did stared at something too long or somehow did something that shifted stuff. Mm -hmm. Ooh, but that would stink if you didn't know what it was. So you couldn't stop doing it. Right. Yeah, that's the trouble. So fascinating. If you have drink, drink, drinking, if you have had the littered number seven mango and bergamot tea or if you've listened to the weirdest thing i learned this week podcast and have an episode that you think will change our minds uh, if you've read cursed crown if you've had any issues with car seats or if you've uh, had vertigo let us know reach out to us at apartment 29a on instagram or apt 29a at gmail.com and have a good week everyone bye everyone